Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Hey everyone, it's really great to welcome you again to our online service. If it's your first time with us, you've already had a great welcome, but I want to welcome you too. I'm glad that you've made it today. And also for those who continue to... uh, lean into our online services and who are part of Arena Church. We're glad that you are with us. If you don't know who I am, my name's Christian Thorpe and I'm one of the pastors here at Arena Church. And over the last five weeks, this has been the fifth week, we've been going through a series that we have called This Is Us. The purpose of it is because we recognise that in our lives we drift And uh, we start out well, but we can drift away from the purpose and the focus. And as a church, we wanted to reaffirm our focus and our purpose. So as a context to us collectively, but also I really believe that we've tried to personalise it. What does this mean for us? And uh, I'd encourage you, if you've not listened to any of the messages, to just go on the podcast or, you know, go to the YouTube channel and you'll be able to catch the messages there. But for those who, who don't know, we have a, a, a fivefold purposes, purpose. We, we are committed to go, grow, love, serve our world. Let me say it this way. I am committed to going and growing and loving and serving our world. So the last four weeks, we've identified four of those things, and today it's my joy to finish off the series as we look at our world. Let me just give you a couple of uh, Bible verses, texts that will just help us to begin this message today. And if you've not got a Bible, just contact our office. Uh, I I recently saw, uh, uh, we'd ordered a few hundred Bibles again, and we just love to give Bibles away. It's the most precious gift that we can offer you. So, you know, please let us know. And if you've got your Bibles there, why don't you open them up? But don't worry, all the verses are going to come on the screen. And this is what it says in Matthew in chapter 28 and verses 19 and 20. But I'm just going to use the first words. It says this, Jesus said this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We could say it this way. Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the world. Jesus was committed to sending us to the world. And then we see in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the promise from, again, Jesus to his disciples is this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He he identifies that because it was where they were living. They were in Jerusalem and Judea was a neighbouring area and then Samaria was a cross-cultural area and then to the ends of the earth. You see, when I think about the world and when you think about this thought of our world, I wonder what images it conjures up in your mind. Now, Today, I could have easily have gone to the environmental, political, sociological uh, challenges. We could look at climate control. We could look at the welfare of animals. We could talk about the stewarding, stewarding of the earth and its resources. And by the way, we believe all those things are really important. But when I look at the thought of our world, I specifically think of 
people. These verses identify people. Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples of people. He says, you'll be my witnesses to the people of those areas. There is a website actually you can go on and you can see a live count of births and deaths across the world. I thought we were going to be about 7.5 billion people, but actually there's approaching set, well, over 7.9 billion people. Our heads can't compute how many people that actually is. So when I'm talking about our world, when we say in Arena Church, we want to go and grow and love and serve our world, we're talking about people. Now, God is committed to the 7.9 billion, but he also sees the one. He sees you. He sees me. He sees my world. He sees my challenges. And he doesn't just count the mass. He also counts the one. Now, some say this world is doomed and beyond repair. Some say it sits in gross darkness and it's grim out there. And in some ways I would identify with that. It is grim. Let me use another word. In some contexts, it's even evil. But I want to tell you that even in the midst of darkness and grimness and even evil, God is invested and so invested in our world. I was reading again just some information that are just trying to help me to understand things a little bit more. And I came across this this phrase that economists call sunk cost fallacy. You may be wondering, Christian, what is the sunk cost fallacy? Well, let me define it by this. It's when you keep investing, even even if it's rational to give up. Okay, so let me give you an example of this. When the Concorde business, the plane, was developed, it it involved a number of governments coming together and they invested hundreds of millions of dollars into the development of the Concorde supersonic flight. But early on, advisors said to them, it would never make any money. Even before the first flight, they said, this business will never make any money. But they still went ahead with it and kept on investing, even when it was rational, even if it's rational to give up. I say that because some people look at our world and say, well, it's sunk, it's it's beyond repair, it's beyond hope. But I want to tell you, Jesus and God... Our Father and the Spirit of God are so invested in our world. Through the rational mind, we would say, just giving up is a bad job. But I want to tell you, God in His grace and in His mercy sees the needs of the people. Let me give you an example of this. There there was an example when Moses was was in the land. The the children of Israel were in slavery in, in Egypt because of their wrongdoing. And it says the cry went up to heaven and God heard their cry. And I just see a picture in my mind of the many cries, the millions of cries. Can I say the hundreds of millions of cries that are resounding even as we're on this service. And God hears every one of them. God has heard the cries through all generations because there's been a cry in every generation. 
And even though some would say it's beyond repair, God said, no, I've got a plan. The master plan is I'm sending Jesus into the world. And we're fast approaching our Christmas season. And I want to encourage you, please get invited to our online service. Invite your friends, invite your family, invite them to, you know, come live um, or come on to the, to the service. Because this is the greatest message that we have. And God invested through sending his son into the world, into this sinful and broken world. You see, God's redemptive work of salvation, it works. It works. By the way, people would look on and say, it's broken, it's dark, it's beyond repair. Let me tell you, God has won. (laughs) Through his death and through his resurrection, he has overcome sin, evil and the grave. A new life is actually available to everyone who will receive it. And at the end of my time with you, I'll give an opportunity for you to receive a new life in Jesus Christ. The Bible tells me that ultimately God will create a new heaven and a new earth. But in the meantime, he invests in us, in his church, to touch, influence and change the world in which we live. Now a few moments ago we read from Acts chapter 1 verse 8, remember, which outlines God's plan of reach. He said, I want you to go locally, regionally, culturally and internationally. When he identifies Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And that is the master plan of the church, that is the master plan of Arena Church. In fact, can I personalise it to you? That is what God wants you to do. He wants you to be part of the plan of reaching. He wants you to go locally. He wants you to go regionally. He wants you to go cross-culturally. Even to those who you don't understand with different coloured of skins or different uh, demographics or you know, different way of thinking, different education. He wants us to go to them and he wants us to go to the ends of the earth. Let me say it this way. He wants us to go to our streets in which we live. And he wants us to go across the oceans to the world. Now, when I was looking at this, I thought, how can I practically break this down? Because the world is huge. It's actually quite small in in a sense now because of travel. But it's still beyond our comprehension. Wouldn't you agree? Just take a moment and say, yeah, you're right, Christian. It's true. It's beyond our comprehension. So when I'm looking at the world, I had to break it down into two columns. So just go with me. This is my systemized mind. I had a left-hand side and I had a right-hand side. Let me help you to know what I mean by that. And because of time, I can only bullet point under these headings. The, the, honestly, I'm not exaggerating. We could spend a week talking, a month, a year talking about some of the, the summary headlines that I'm going to give you today. But as I looked at it on the left-hand side, I saw two things. I saw world problems and world persecutions. And we'll come to that in a moment. And then on the right-hand side, I saw three other things. But let me just deal with, first of all, the left-hand side. Because my conviction is that for every challenge, God's love prevails. Write that down with me and why don't you say it with me. For every challenge, God's love prevails. And before we go to these 
two left-hand side issues, I felt the Spirit of God say to me, encourage people today. I always sense that, but even more with this message, because we're going to go to some big ills of the world, and they can feel overwhelming. They do to me, even as I was preparing this, but I want to hold this verse as precious in my heart. I want you to know for every challenge that God's love is available and enough. Let me read the verse to you. It says in John 3 verse 16. For those who know the Bibles will know it well. Please read it with me. It's on the screen now. It says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting, eternal life. For God so loved the world. He hears the cries of the world. So now to our left-hand side. Firstly, world problems. Now some people coin this thought of there are first world problems and then we have the extreme of third world problems. First world problems are like us and I'm not demeaning some of the problems that you may have in your world but let me tell you they are very different to third world problems. There are five big issues, again um, uh, sociologically people tell us there are five big issues in the world. First of all, poverty. You know more than 70% of the people of the world own less than £5,000 in their total thing. So with the houses that they have, with the money that they have in the bank, with the clothes on the back, with the car they drive, less than £5,000. 70% of the world. There's other statistics that said most, uh, a huge percentage of people earn less than $10 a day. Poverty. We see it in our locality, people who have very little. But we certainly see it if we will open our eyes across the earth, through no fault of their own, people live in, in abject and absolute poverty. Secondly, education. Now, education has significantly improved in the last century, but there's a lot of work to be done. Inequality between genders, male and female, boys and girls, in particular parts of the world is, is huge. In fact, the, the Malala Fund, and I read this, reports 130 million girls across the world lack proper access to schooling. Education is a massive issue across our earth. Thirdly, food and water, which is most basic to most people who live and who will be listening to me today. But currently, one in nine people of the 7.9 billion people lack access, lack access to clean water across the world. And the same ratio are malnourished. They do not have enough food. Food and water, massive issue. How about health in the developing nations? Statistics have widely shown that aside from malnourishment, access to clean and affordable living conditions has lagged in the developed world. And get this, the life expectancy in developing nations is on average 14 years behind developed nations. 
Mainly because as a result of lack of medicine, lack of sanitary, lack of clean water, lack of housing. And lastly, you may say, what is the last one? Surely I feel the weight of it, yeah. But this is an interesting one, credit access. You may say, really? Yeah, it's a massive issue across the world. One of the driving factors in continued poverty is the lack of access to credit. I am so grateful for many Christian and non-Christian organisations that give access to, you know, affordable micro-loans to uh, the developing world. And without stable financial services, it becomes difficult for developing nations to grow at a sustained rate economically. We should be passionate about these things. Church, we are passionate about these things. We want to be an advocate for these areas. This is us. We want to go. We want to grow. We want to love. We want to serve our world. Locally. Regionally. Cross-culturally. Internationally. Now, before I move quickly to the second thought, not just from world problems to world persecution, what about famine? What about poverty? What about civil wars? What about human trafficking? What about the millions that are displaced? What about the brutal regime of tyrant leadership and governments? Oh, world problems. But secondly, world persecution. I won't spend as long here, but suffice to say, Persecution across the globe for Christians is growing. There are at least 340 million Christians. Let me repeat that number. 340 million Christians around the world. And we don't know the full extent of it. It's likely to be way more than that. Experience systemic discrimination Unfair treatment and persecution, all because of their faith. This means one in eight Christians are affected by extreme, very high or high levels of persecution. The verse in Corinthians takes on a whole new meaning when Paul says, my grace Speaking of Jesus, my grace is sufficient for you. The only way that many of these people can walk through their life and within the context of their families is that they know that God's grace is sufficient to carry them through. Now, what is your response to the world problems and world persecution? Well, I want to tell you that I want to lead with a response that's faith-filled, generous, committed, sincere, and faithful. As the leader of Arena Church, I want to lead you and this family of people, this locations, the locations that we serve in, by saying this is us. This is our response, but not just collectively, but also personally. This is my response. How do we respond to these things? The left-hand side column of world problems and world persecution. Now let me take you to a right-hand side column. The right-hand side column, I've got three things. 
Because I think this is our response. Firstly, world prayer. Let me say it again. World prayer. Mark 11 and verse 17. Jesus began to teach and say to them, Is it not written, my house, we could put another word in there, my church will be called a house or a church of prayer for all the nations. Get the language. My house, my church shall be called a house, a church of prayer for all the nations to the ends of the earth, to our world. God is leading us to bring a response of prayer. There are many prayer houses that have risen up over the last 30, 40 years. Some would say there's at least 10,000 prayer houses across the nation. Some um, Christians are saying it's closer to 20,000. And what do these prayer houses consist of? They consist of people gathering together. Some there's hundreds, some there's just uh, dozens of people. But for 20 Four hours of every day. They are praying and they are worshipping God. This is remarkable. Across the earth, there is a prayer. There is a sound that is going up to heaven. And we are believing for a turnaround. We are believing for revival fires to be lit. We are believing for our world to be changed. We are believing that as we speak the word, signs and wonders will follow. We believe that as we take the hands and feet of Jesus and serve practically, we will make a difference. In our world, we can touch the world through our prayers. Can I encourage you, please do not draw back on prayer. Lean further into prayer. In January, we will be encouraging everybody to join with us for 21 days of prayer and fasting. As we call out to God, we want your family, we want your life to be blessed individually. This is the local. We wanted to touch our region, the M1 corridor and beyond. We wanted to touch cross-culturally as we reach out into Toulouse and as we reach out into different places that may not be like us. And we also want to touch the world. Someone said this, God intended prayer to be the means by which we join with him in his work of redeeming the world. One quick story, are you still okay for a moment? There was a man by the name of Wesley Duell. He was a former missionary to India and he was a teacher of prayer. And he tells how his mission struggled for 25 years as it planted one new church a year. Some would say that's success, but to him it wasn't. And the missionaries decided that something was wrong. So they enlisted a thousand people in their sending countries to pray daily, just to pray daily for the work of God that they were involved in. In the next few years, Wesley records the mission exploded from 25 churches to 550 churches in just a few years and from 2,000 Christians believers to nearly 75,000 believers. The power of prayer. World prayer, as we call out to God, as we ask, as we seek, as we knock, as we pursue God on our hands and our knees, we call out to the living God. He hears our prayers. But how about world partnerships? Philippians 1 verse 3, the Apostle Paul writes, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers. 
for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Let me continue. Verse 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The way that we uh, combat world problems, world persecution, is we endorse world prayer and we also endorse world partnerships. We see ourselves as partnering with others in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We partner locally. We partner nationally. There are some great Christian national partnerships that we enter into and we also partner internationally. Interesting, the man who wrote this, the Apostle Paul, he partnered with over 90 people in the great work of missions that God had called him to do. He obviously gets a lot of um, fame and popularity But there were so many people, partnerships, who worked with him. I am grateful that in Arena Church, we believe in team. We believe in doing things together. It's not just about one man. It's not about me. It's not about Phil Pye. It's not about your location, campus pastor. It's about us working together. I'm glad, and please check it out on our website. We're committed to world partnerships. All I want to say under this is you'll see flags of Namibia and Thessalonica and Kenya and Albania and Slovakia. We partner with Open Doors that serves the persecuted church. We work with compassion that is involved in feeding and educating and helping families and children. We work with APMI who were involved in sending 80 missionaries to 80 different countries across the earth. Arena is committed to partnership. We partner with them in prayer. We partner with them in letters of encouragement. We partner with them through finances and resources. Have you got the thought? We're committed to world partnerships. But one final thing, and I can't get away from it. If we're going to impact this world, we need to engage in world provision. Now, I've had the joy of traveling to Macedonia I travelled to Macedonia in 1990 and it was a very, very poor nation, even then. I've not been back since. Very, very poor, very impoverished and you could see the deprivation and need that was surrounding you. But I remember being in a church service and being overwhelmed by their generosity as the offering was taken. Now, I don't know what these notes consisted of. They were only probably worth a few pennies but the point is this, they still gave. Now let me take you to this verse in 2 Corinthians in chapter 8. Paul writes, and now brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian church, the same church that I visited, in the midst of their very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that this Macedonian church gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. These verses mean a lot to me because of the context that I was in. And here we see Paul identifying them even in their extreme poverty. They were overwhelmed with rich generosity. You see, if we are going to touch the world's if we are going to help the world's needs, 
If we are going to serve the persecuted world, it will cost. And it's very easy at this Christmas time for us to get caught up in the stuff. (laughs) Oh, we want the stuff. They're telling us, get the stuff. The stuff will make you happy. The stuff is what you need. (laughs) I'm not against the stuff. I'm really not. But let me tell you, very often the stuff in our country is just first world problems. You've got kids moaning that they haven't got enough credit on the mobile phone. The bottom line is you've got a mobile phone. (laughs) You've got kids complaining and people complaining that they haven't got the kind of car that they want or they're not able to go where they want to go, but they're able to get somewhere. (laughs) It's first world problems. And being a little edgy on purpose Because all I want to say to you is oftentimes it's no good as just praying if we have the means to serve the world. Leonard Ravenhill, who I mentioned last week, a great prophet, he said this, are the things you are living for worth Christ dying for? What a sobering thought. The things that consume our minds are the things that Christ died for. More often than not in my own life, that's not the case. And I want to just leverage what I have for the service of others. I want my life to overflow with rich generosity. I want to meet the needs provisionally of the world. That is why both collectively as a church we're engaged in supporting and helping missions people. But equally, personally, our family, we are committed personally to being engaged in other things. So... This is us. Go, grow, love, serve our world. We recognize the huge task that is before us. us. But I want to remind you that if God is for you, who can be against you? Ephesians 3 verse 20 said, God is able to do immeasurably more than all you could ask or imagine according to his power at work within us. I want to tell you that God is able to use your life. That God is able to use your family. That God is able to use our church. That God is able to use every location, no matter how small, to touch the world. But it's going to take us to pray. Can I just draw this message to a close? The application is, come on, world prayer. Let's pray like we've never done before. Not just for ourselves, but for the world. Let's partner. Let's provide. You know, we can do some of that locally. I will say it. We have a thousand club where we encourage people to just give a few pounds a month that serves our local community. All the giveaways that we're doing over Christmas Hampers and Christmas boxes and toys and school uniforms and clothing and all those kinds of things. We're doing it literally for hundreds and hundreds of people across this area. We're able to do that through the Thousand Club. We've got business buddies who give £100 a month. Maybe you're a business owner. You say, I can commit to that. We're asking you just to commit to a year and then you can review it. But people give £100. That £100 is enabling us to serve so many. This is locally. But also we're able to give away. We will be sending gifts to our missions partners to enable them with the work and the ministry and to help their families at this time. We need people to continue to partner and provide. But we also, how about into next year? And of course, travel is still up for grabs. But if we was to say, guys, we'd love to organise some missions trips. 
I've been on many, many mission trips. The first one I went on was life-changing. It changed my life. If we were to organise some mission trips, would you like to come? Let us know where we can go and serve the needs of our world. I'd like to think that at least one person would go on one mission trip in their lifetime. So will you go, grow, love, serve your world? Will I go, grow, love, serve our world? Will we collectively go, grow and love and serve our world? This is our challenge. This is our purpose. And this is our commitment. I wonder if you'd join with me in a moment of prayer. You may be one who have been said of you, you're a lost cause. You're a broken down cause. People have described you as all kinds of things. But I want to tell you, God's grace is sufficient for you. God loves you. God died for you. He sees the billions of people, but he sees you. He knows your name. And simply, all we have to do is just receive this amazing love and reach out your arms to him and you reach out your heart to him and ask him to come into your life. He'll take away all the sin and all the shame and all the weight that you're carrying. And he'll give you a brand new start. I wonder if that's you today. Would you pray with me? Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Change me. Take away my sin. Give me this new start that Christians talked about today. I want to live for you for the rest of my days. And I receive you now as my Lord and as my Savior. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you've prayed that prayer, I want to encourage you to click on the screen or let uh, the office know. You can find the connections at the end. Contact us at Arena Church. And we'd love to help you with this first decision that you have made. But I wonder if I could just draw a response from everybody today. I'm wondering where you are, if you feel able to just stand to your feet in your home, in your kitchen. If you're driving your car, you can't. But you, you get the feeling. Just stand to your feet. I want to declare over you and over us our purpose. Father, we want to go and to grow and we want to love and to serve our world. We're sorry for when we drift. We're sorry for when we lose focus. We're sorry for when we lose sight of what truly is important and what matters. But in this moment, we reaffirm our commitment to you, to your church and to our world. Cause our lives to be effective, fruitful, productive in your hands. And may we be like the young man with five loaves and two fishes. We just bring the little we have and we place it in your hands. And once we place our lives in your hands, you caused the miracle to happen that fed thousands of people May our lives, may our church, may Arena Church continue to serve thousands of people in the coming days for the glory of Jesus. And everybody said together, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Before I finish, let me just say this to you. As I've already said in our message, Christmas is coming. We're going to be, over the next three weeks, talking about the gift, the greatest gift ever. And I want to encourage you to get people online, get them on the online service, let them hear. It's never been easier for them to see church. They'll hear a great gospel message over the next three weeks. 
that will really set us up beautifully for Christmas. This is a season of plowing. As we plow the ground and as we plant seed, we're believing that the Spirit of God is going to water that seed and lives are going to be changed. So please join with me in inviting and bringing. As always, love you guys. I'm praying for you and I believe in you. God bless you.